Only 27% of Americans have a financial plan. That is another grim statistic that I came across recently. That is a crazy low number. Now, being a personal finance podcast, Dave thought it would be a good idea to dig a little deeper on this subject. Today, he is going to touch on some of the most important things to do so that your financial house is in order. Good day and welcome to the Save Like Dave podcast, where we are on a mission to help you save and win with your money on almost any income level. Dave retired at 55, traveled the world, and lived abundantly, all while making well under $50,000 a year his entire career. Now it's your turn. Let's take your financial dreams to the next level. Today's episode is all about putting your financial house in order. Dave has, I believe, six different points that he's going to share to help you make sure that you have everything in order. So Dave, go ahead and take it away. Well, thank you, Nate. And thank you, everyone, for listening to my podcast, Save Like Dave. And like I like to do many times before I begin, uh, I share a story about myself. It'll make sense to you a little bit about how I keep my financial house in order, just this one particular part. I want to tell you a little bit about how I keep track of my net worth with the hope that you'll see I have a plan and maybe it might just work for you. And I've been doing this for over 40 years. I open an old green three-ring binder and flip to the section titled net worth. In it, I write down all my assets. For example, I have a section titled cash and then a section titled securities and finally real estate. Real simple, three different things. Using a pencil on only one sheet of paper, I write the cash balance from the checking and savings accounts, and then I enter the value of the securities I have in Fidelity and Vanguard. That part is separated between a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, and then taxable securities. The last section has our real estate. And so each year with the real estate, I figure out, you know, what say the value of our property is on house number A. And if I had debt, I would say, you know, minus the debt, and that would be the value today. I personally don't have any debt, so I just know what the actual value is for that house if I sold it this year. And so that would be my net amount that it would be worth. To get my real number, I actually figure out, well, let's just say, to make it simple, if it was $100,000 and I'm in the 25% tax bracket, it's really worth $75,000. And so I would put that as my number, just a simple example, okay? And then on the right-hand side of the paper, I put the current values next to each of my items, just like I mentioned with the real estate. That would be on the right-hand side. Then I add them up and the number at the bottom is my net worth. It's simple, it's on one page, and is completed in about an hour. And as I just mentioned, I no longer have any debt, although I did for many years. In other words, I don't have any liabilities from a financial perspective. However, if you do, and that would be most of you, if you're especially getting started, then you would be entered under your assets, all of your debts or liabilities. You'd then subtract your debt from your assets and you'd get your net worth. So why did I just tell you all this? Well, the topic today is getting your financial house in order. And for me, at least, I do this exercise every year because it gives me clarity. It gives me a concise report on where I am financially. I have a plan. From year to year, I can easily see if I'm going in the right direction. If not, I can look at how I can correct the course for the next year. 
This is just an example of how I get my financial house in order. These past couple of years have been hard on all of us. With COVID raging throughout the world, many lives were lost. Millions had to change how they worked, and many others lost their jobs completely, as we all experienced a -a once-in-a-century phenomenon. With that gigantic disruption, many experienced financial loss and disruption in their normal way of life. Today, I want to hit the reset button and touch on some key points in your personal finance toolbox. Today, I want to have you take a look at your financial situation, and if you've taken a left turn over the past couple years, maybe because of necessity, this podcast may be just what is needed to get you back on track. And Nate mentioned when we started today that Dave had six topics to discuss, and we're going to cover three today, and then we will follow up the next podcast for the last three, and I'll give you a summary. There's a lot here, and so I want to make sure that we break it down so it's easy for you to digest. And hopefully, when you're listening to me, you're in your head thinking, okay, how can I improve my life in this area? And what could I do to get out of debt in one case? So let's dig right in. Yeah, so essentially, we're going to be doing the six things that everyone should do to get their financial house in order. And we're just going to do three on the rest of this episode. And then the follow-up episode will carry over to the final three points. That's right. Okay. So here's the big one. I put it on the top. It's probably the most important for me, at least, is debt. And if you're carrying debt, it's time to tackle it head on and get rid of it. Now, before you turn me off, please hear me out. I am on your side in this financial space. Remember, I want you to win with money. The first thing you need to do is write down, yes, write down on paper all of your debt except for your mortgage if you have one. This could be credit card debt, student loan debt, or say a car payment, a loan from mom and dad, and so forth. So now you have all your debt in one place staring at you. Now organize that debt from smallest to largest. In other words, on that piece of paper, put the smallest total amount at the top of the page and the next smallest after that, so on and so forth down to the end. So maybe your student debt is the highest amount and your credit card debt is the smallest amount. So you'd have the credit card debt at the top and the student loan debt at the bottom. Now, don't worry about the interest rate at this point. Now, when you start to set up with paying these debts off, and I want you to pay them as quickly as you can, I might add, Pay the minimum on all the debt every month, except on that smallest one. Pay any extra money that you might have that month on that. Blast away on that little one, and before you know it, it will be gone. Now, you can focus on that second smallest debt and do the same. However, if you think about it, this time, you have that extra money that you put on that first debt, and you no longer have that to pay. And so that goes against the second debt plus the normal monthly payment. Continue this until you're completely out of debt. Now, for those of you who know of Dave Ramsey, this is his method, and I agree with him. Many financial analysts suggest you pay the one with the highest interest rate. However, I disagree. The reason is psychological and not financial in this case. You see, when you pay off that smaller debt first, it gives you a huge sense of satisfaction. You have just one with money. And then it gets better with every new debt that you tackle. So, for example, taking back the way I described it earlier, if you, say, had, I don't know, let's say you had $50,000 in student debt, 
you're just out of college and you're just got a lot of money to pay back and you have a $6,000 credit card bill and you, you've already said you're not going to carry any credit card debt ever again. You're going to get out of debt. Okay. Well, you know, honestly, that college debt is bigger and you want to get rid of that, but you're going to be paying that for a long time. And it just kind of weighs heavily on you. And it takes a long time to pay that off and you may get discouraged. But by paying off that smaller debt first, it changes your whole perspective. It's like, you know, you just had a little win and now you're ready to tackle the next one. And as a postscript, sure, you'll pay a little bit more interest than if you paid the higher interest rate first. But I promise by paying the way I suggest, you'll feel much more excited about your financial situation and be more apt to continue on your journey to get those financial monkeys off your back. Yeah. So the main point there is you're not paying off your highest interest. You're paying off your smallest one to get that feel good in you, to get that psychological benefit so that you can move forward with the rest of them. So again, as Dave mentioned, pay off that lowest one first. Obviously, you want to pay your minimums. You don't want to default on any of them. Right. But you snowball from one to the next. That's right. And so again, you know, once you paid off that little guy, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, let's pay $30 a month. You know, it's not a car payment. It's something small. Once you just kill it with that and get that monkey off your back, now that money goes to the second debt and so on and so forth until you get completely out of debt. One last thing. Once you're out of debt, promise yourself to never go into debt again. I can tell you from my personal experience and knowing many friends and family members, debt is just, uh, it just sucks the life out of you. When you're always in debt, you never feel like you're getting ahead financially speaking. And if you can change your mindset, if you can think differently about money and get out of debt as soon as possible and never go back in debt again, you're going to win with money. You need to set up a plan to automatically pay yourself first. I've talked about that at earlier podcasts. So when you have these big expenses, you just pay cash. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, when you get to this point, your financial life will be exciting and not drudgery or frustration. I promise. Well, that's great. That is the first point, which is on debt. Now, moving on to the second point, which is on budgeting. That's right. And as if you've been listening to my podcast, I just spoke on that. And the second point of getting your financial house in order is to make a budget. I recently spoke on this, and so I won't go into too much detail. However, there are a few things you need to do regarding your budget. And here's the most important one. It's like the uh, deer in the headlights story. You have to create one. Yes, that is the most important thing here. You've got to physically write out your budget in black and white. Study after study has shown that the people who write out where their money is going is far more likely to win with money. It's plain and simple. That's all it is. Yeah, I've also seen that when you write out what you're going to eat each day, that also is another way of making sure you don't eat unhealthy things. That's really, really good example, Nate. And uh, I know uh, my wife, she'll, on Sunday, she'll plan out what she's going to cook for that week. And uh, it really helps. It makes the difference between winning and losing and in this, in the food situation, eating more healthy. So how are you going to create this budget? Well, I talked about it on the last podcast, but here's a little more insight to get a little bit more specific. How are you going to do this is you're going to take the last three or four months of your bank and credit card statements and specifically see where your money's going, where the income is and where the outcome is. From that, you can take up these line items on each of those expenses. As an example, you'd have a line item for groceries. You'd have one for utilities and clothing. 
for gifts. Maybe it's a date night, giving, etc. So we talked a little bit about that again last time, but you get the idea. You plan your budget, what works for you. You decide what amount, what percentage or what dollar amount you're going to put in every month and you stick to that budget and you're going to win with money. Now, here's something else related to the budget that some people forget about. And that's to cancel subscriptions that you no longer need or consider going in together with a family member or two on the ones that you really want. So for example, I do this with my son and daughter. Our three families all get YouTube TV. It's about $75 a month. So our daughter gets the package and Nate, my son, and I pay her $25 on the first of every month via Venmo. It's as easy as that. As a result, I get my cable TV fix for $25 a month. Now, let me tell you, that is a good deal. You think about, well, maybe many of you, how much are you paying for cable bill this month? I know that one of the services, just the basic package is $150 a month. Well, I pay $25 a month. Does that sound like a good deal? And I don't feel deprived at all. I'm very happy with YouTube TV and $25 a month makes it even sweeter. Now, Usually these are small monthly amounts, so you don't think too much about them, but they do add up. Cancel them today. If you don't need that subscription, cancel it. For example, gym membership. Did you sign up three years ago for a gym membership that you were really excited about and you did good for about six months? And then for one reason or another, you kind of lost interest, you start doing other things, and you just don't get to the gym very much anymore. Well, you're still paying that monthly membership, aren't you? Well, you need to get rid of that. Some of you have a uh, membership in Ancestry.com. You were so excited to learn about your background, about your family, and Ancestry was a great way to do that, and that's great. However, now you're a year into it, and you know maybe you've learned as much as you think you want to learn, and it's time to get out, and you haven't done that yet. There's a simple one. Delete it. Drop it. End it. I know uh, my wife, she supports a, a Christian cause. And it's a really neat program, but it's kind of expensive. I think it's $140 every quarter. But what happens is every quarter she gets this big package in the mail of handmade gifts that people from all over the world and impoverished areas have made. And honestly, they're really good. They're high quality and they do make for good gifts. And we've given some away as gifts. However, we've been doing this, I think, a couple of years now, and we're getting to a point where we have more gifts than we really need. And so we made a decision to stop receiving that particular gift membership. Um, Netflix Premium is another example. Do you really need Netflix Premium or premium channels like HBO or Showtime? Also, other examples are Pandora, Spotify, SiriusXM, Fitbit Premium. You know, it goes on and on. You can uh, just look at your own personal life and see where are you spending your money? What are those, those monthly payments going for? And if they're really important to you, if you really, let's just say you have a business and you like Pandora because the background music plays for your associates and you don't get commercials, cool, keep it. But if it's something you're not using, it's time to get rid of it. Yeah, so, it's amazing how all the subscriptions add up. I've looked at the credit card bills many months and uh, yeah, you see the same things over and over again. It adds up and you know we run an online business, my wife and I, and we're paying thousands and thousands of dollars every year just in many, many different subscriptions. And that's that's our business. But also if you look personally, I'm sure you, you'll see on your own bank statement all the different subscriptions that you have. That's right. So you know, take charge of your financial life and take a good look at that and cancel the ones you don't need. You're going to save money, right? 
You know, adjusting your budget on occasion can dramatically lower your monthly expenses. Shop your insurance with two or three other companies for a lower rate or refinance your mortgage. So do you get the idea? You, you see where I'm going here? If you're going to win with money, you've got to do these kind of things. And this budgeting process, this way to do it is going to be having you think differently about money. And then in the end, you're going to win with money. All right, the last one I'm going to talk about is protecting your assets. A key to keeping your financial house in order is to have money set aside that you never touch unless it is a real emergency. For example, what if your water heater goes out or your car has an unplanned, really major expense, like you have to replace the transmission or the motor has some major problem that you have to spend a lot of money on? This set aside of money is not for a new car that you really need. This is what we call emergency savings, and that is something you would set up where your every paycheck, some money would go aside in a certain savings account for those real emergencies. Another way to protect your assets is password manager, and many of you probably have this or want something like it, and it's an app where they allow you to have really complicated passwords, and they make it easy for you to use those on your different apps. It's important that you have this set up for all your passwords, especially financial accounts. Yeah, this is one that I hadn't used for many years, but then once I found out about it, I've found it to just be a real game changer and it's made my life a lot easier, a lot less stressful. And to be honest, the passwords are almost impossible to crack because uh, the plan is you set really difficult passwords, but you don't have to actually remember them. You use a service like LastPass or 1Password, and then you don't have to even remember these passwords. That's what the password manager does. Yeah, it's really good. And like like Nate says, most of my apps now, I have no idea what they are. It's extremely complicated, but that's what we need to do, especially for your financial accounts. So another thing to do to protect your assets, you need to check up on your life, your disability, and your long-term care. So life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care. You know, life insurance, uh, you might have some with your work. Uh, Disability insurance, maybe with your work, maybe not, but check on that. Long-term care, that's something that I would recommend, but from what I've read, the, the best time to do that is when you turn age 60. So if you're younger, obviously, you don't have to worry about that right now. Another thing to protect your assets is to have homeowners or renters insurance. Homeowners, that's kind of a no-brainer. Everybody has insurance for their home but not as many have renter's insurance. And depending on your circumstances, that might be the right thing for you. So do you have the right amount? Occasionally, maybe once every couple of years, you need to look at that. For example, in your life insurance, if you had, let's just say you're by yourself and uh, you're really just getting started, you probably don't even need life insurance. But if you get married, if you have a spouse, then now your situation changes and you want to have a life insurance policy to protect your family, especially once children come along, if you do have children. So you'd want to adjust that and, and protect your assets. All right, that wraps up the three points from today's episode on getting your financial house in order. Again, Dave, if you want to just mention those three points quickly uh, one more time. Yeah, the first one is debt. I want you to get out of debt. The second one is budgeting. And the third one is protecting your assets. All right. Well, stay with us for the next episode as we're going to go over part two. We have three more ways that you can get your financial house in order. 
And as we do every episode, Dave has a scripture or a quote to end with. So Dave, go ahead and take it away. All right. Thanks, Nate. And uh, this is a quote from Anne Frank, and it's a good one. How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. <laughs>